0: And we're going to study the Word of God. I want to thank uh, Jamie Canulty again. He can't be here this morning because of a family commitment, but I want to thank him again for bringing the Word last week, especially on short notice. That was a fantastic message that spoke directly to us, wasn't it? I, I know it just it spoke to me and encouraged me as I got to sit and soak for a week. And uh, we're we're just really blessed. I just commended the women. We're really blessed with some godly men who serve in leadership here at Harbor Rock Tabernacle. And uh, I'm so grateful that when I needed, and you know me, I'm a little bit stubborn, but uh, when the family said, you're not preaching Sunday, you're just going to take it easy, um, that when I needed someone to fill in, uh, that several men were instantly ready uh, to take that role. I never mind sharing the pulpit. I don't do it enough and uh, I'll be doing that more in the days ahead so you guys can be blessed uh, by these men and by uh, the word coming out of them. But uh, I was obviously not real thrilled with the reason that I had to step aside last week. Um, if you don't know, I went to the hospital and there's pretty much, uh, And when I say nothing, I mean it in the strictest sense of the word. There's pretty much nothing you can do to get me to a doctor. Um, I, I don't like going to the dentist. I don't like having my my oil changed in my car. I'm just like that. I'm weird. But I, I really don't like going to the doctor. And you can ask my wife. She'll confirm that with a grimace on her face that I don't like going to the doctor. But when my heart started to beat at about 120 beats a minute and didn't slow down, it didn't stop, even when I sat and calmed down and prayed, uh, I knew I needed to see somebody. So I went into the ER and uh, praise the Lord, everything looked fantastic and normal and I passed every test, which was nothing like my college experience, but it was good. It was a good weekend, but uh, I feel great, and I haven't had any more problems uh, until I get the bills, because I'm pretty sure we're at a network, so we'll see what what happens there, but um, there there are a lot of things that go through your mind um, as you're laying on a table, and you're getting stuck with needles, and you're being hooked up to a heart monitor, and then as you go into some very uh, serious tests that are looking for any sort of abnormality in your heart, and you come, become very aware that this is not uh, just a broken finger or not um, uh, torn ankle ligaments. I've had both of those, and those are fun. But, but when you lay there and you're getting probed, you realize that it's your heart. And really, when, when you get to your heart, if there's something wrong with your heart, it's significant, and it's life-changing, and, and you start to think about that very seriously, and you, you try not to panic, and you think about the things that you shouldn't have done differently, and you think about the things that you will now change, uh, and you pray a lot, and you become very thankful that um, God is merciful. I'm thankful that God's merciful this morning. I'm thankful that when I was laying on that table that I could call on the name of the Lord and I knew I wasn't praying to the lights. I was praying to a God who's living and active and cares more about us than we can possibly imagine. And I, I had to trust in him, uh, and I've trusted him most of my life, but I had to trust in him on a new level because when your heart doesn't seem to be working correctly, uh, you you have to become very serious. And as I lay there on, on Friday night thinking all those things, I knew uh, very quickly that there was going to be a spiritual application out of all of that. Uh, but it wasn't until Saturday morning that the biblical principles from this particular text here in Psalm 139 uh, became very, very clear to me. So if you haven't already, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. And we're really just going to focus this morning on the last two verses. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the rest of the chapter for some context. But uh, I was, I was uh, praised in the Lord as Adam was praying because he was talking about this very thing in his prayer. And I said, that's just the Lord. So verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 139, they're, they're probably very familiar to you. You may have quoted them before. You might have them on a plaque in your house um, but I want to really ask the Holy Spirit this morning to give us some, some very fresh insight and um, some very fresh conviction. We need to be convicted by what's in this text, but he'll also encourage us because that's what the Holy Spirit does, and he'll strengthen us. So let's just say a quick prayer and ask the Lord to teach us. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We praise you that we can hold it in our hands, that we can read it and understand it, We praise you that your Holy Spirit has given us the full counsel of God. And Lord, that now we ask you to teach us. We ask you to be the one by your spirit to communicate the truth of this text to us. Lord, get me out of the way. I don't want to have a single word that comes out of my mouth that's not from you. So we pray you teach us this morning. And Lord, we pray our heart and mind would be open right now. Lord, open it up to what you want to tell us, what you want to convict us about, what you want to expose in our lives. And, Lord, then that you would encourage us that you're a God of grace and mercy and that when we give our lives to you, you cleanse us and change us and secure us forever. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Now, the physical and spiritual uh, implication of these verses became very real to me when I went in uh, to take my stress test, and when they did uh, an ultrasound of my heart. And for the first time in my life, I'm 52 this year, first time in my life. I saw a visual of the inside of my heart. Now, we've had plenty of ultrasounds through the years as we had kids, but I have never gotten to see uh, my own heartbeat. Uh, as the blood, which I couldn't see because it was an ultrasound, as the blood flowed through the chambers and the, and the valves opened and shut very quickly, uh, it, was, it was absolutely fascinating if I hadn't been so utterly terrified. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And it was not only a revelation of uh, the physical condition of my heart and what they could tell me about that, but even more so, as I laid there watching my heart beat on that monitor, um, I, I was immediately reminded by the Holy Spirit of these two verses. I mean, it was just, it was just boom. Hear that. Hear what I'm telling you uh, this morning. Uh, the Holy Spirit said to me, and, and you've got to come back to these verses. And, and he started to teach me principles about My spiritual heart. Now, before we look at those, and I want to encourage you to take some notes this morning. This is a very interactive text, and there are a lot of things that we all, myself included, especially need to to hear from the Lord this morning. But before we develop the the concepts here, let me tell you about the process in case you haven't had this done. And I I rarely talk about myself, so just indulge me for, for one more minute. They hooked me up to a bunch of electrodes, which was a blast. Uh, and then I laid on my side, and the technician uh, took the wand, and he did the ultrasound of my heart to see what it was like uh, while I was resting. Now, I had a little bit of anxiety at this point, so I was like, I'm not exactly resting. If you had got me about 2 o'clock in the morning, I would have been really resting, but they didn't indulge me on that. So he took the pictures and took the ultrasound of my heart while I was resting, and then I got on the treadmill, And they monitored my my heart rate, and they monitored my blood pressure, and they monitored the EKG. And then every two minutes, they would raise the elevation on the treadmill uh, uh, until I got to my maximum heart rate, the one that they set out that they wanted me to get to. And as soon as I reached that maximum heart rate, which was a little creepy because it was about 50 beats per minute higher than the reason I had come to the hospital in the first place, So I'm like, you know what you're doing here, right? Because I was at 120, and now I'm 170, and I don't like 170. But as soon as I reached that, they said, hop off the treadmill and get right back on the table. And as soon as they got back on the table and got position, he ran another ultrasound. Because what they wanted to do is they wanted to see how the heart functioned under stress. And the goal of that was to examine the health of my heart to see if there was any kind of problem. Now, as I'm on the treadmill and I'm kind of huffing and puffing because I'm at this angle right here and I'm holding on to the bar for dear life lest I go flying into the wall, As, as I'm on the treadmill doing that, it hit me that the stress test was important because stress reveals the true condition of your heart. Stress reveals the true condition of your heart, and that's true spiritually every bit as much as it is physically. And let me give you some examples of this, and this is where I want you to start uh, taking some notes and thinking through this just because I think the Lord can really teach us here. But, but why does stress cause evaluation of our heart? What does it reveal? The first thing it reveals is that stress, anxiety, and fear gives us insight into whether we really practically trust the Lord. When you're anxiety, in anxiety, when you're in fear, when there's a stressful situation, when you're in crisis, that then reveals whether we really trust the Lord. When we're, when we're pushed into scary situations or challenging situations, how genuine is our faith? Are we resolute? Are we determined? Are we unflappable? Are are, are we persevering in our trust? Or, Or does the fear and the need to kind of somehow control that situation weaken our confidence in the Lord? Do we become stronger in the Lord when stress and anxiety and fear? Or do we become weaker in the Lord? So that's the first way that stress tests us. The second way that stress tests us is that when we're in opportunities, when there are opportunities before us to act selfishly, that gives us insight into whether we're really serious about denying ourselves. When there's an opportunity for you to do what you want and be who you want, say what you want, and and act for the pleasure of yourself, that's when the crucible comes of whether we're going to deny ourselves. When when our self-will is strong and the desire to sin is strong, do we resist or do we give in? Do we put off sin and self and say, it's intolerable. I'm not going to put up with sin. We're commanded, and we've said it many times, we're commanded to deny ourselves daily. Why daily? Why not once a week when we're at church or when we're at Bible study? Why does it have to be daily? Well, it has to be daily because selfishness is a moment-by-moment threat. And the only way that we can honor the Lord and walk in holiness is by getting rid of self and filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit. So when we have opportunities to be selfish, that shows us how serious we are about denying ourselves. Then the third way is when there's temptation to sin. When sin attacks us, either, either implicitly or explicitly, when we know that our mind's getting twisted, when we know that uh, the devil is moving to try to entice us and trap us and get us to go according to our old self, wh- when that happens, that gives us insight into whether we are consistently taking the way of, of escape. When the attack is relentless and, and we want to give in to sin and we want to just just satisfy ourselves, do we concede to that? Do we, do we then just give in and accept it? And then when, when we have that conviction come in our mind, do we then justify it? Because those three actions, giving in and accepting and justifying, that leads to patterns, that leads to habits of sin. So, so is that the way we go? Or do we see that God always provides a way of escape, that there's always a door that's open, there's always an out, there's always a way to overcome, that if we trust the Lord in terms of temptation, that God will always say, I can get you out of this. You never are under any temptation. That you can't overcome. That's not pie in the sky, happy thoughts, uh, joyful, just say anything Christianity. That's the reality of scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When we are tempted, there is always a way of escape. And if you don't know what to do and how to get out of it, just start quoting scripture. Just start saying God's more powerful than the devil. Praise Jesus Christ for his salvation. You start to do that and the devil gets away from that. Resist the devil and what happens? Tell me. He flees from you. What's one of the best ways to to combat the devil and to resist him? What did Jesus do when he was in the wilderness and the devil starts misquoting scripture? Jesus quotes scripture back. Always have scripture at the ready. When temptation comes, to fight that off. So temptation gives us insight into whether we're taking the way of escape. Then peer pressure. When other people are around us, that gives us insight into whether we're going to consistently hold on to our convictions when the acceptance of others is on the line. See, the dangerous thing about peer pressure is somebody's telling you you're not cool and you're not accepted. And this is not just high school, guys. This is adulthood, right? This is why I'm always so wary of social media. And I know sometimes I'm a little hard on social media. But the reason I don't like social media in some ways is because it creates envy. And when we're envious, then we feel like we're not fitting in and we're not being accepted, and that leads us to compromise. So how often do we compromise what we say we believe in or what we know is right in order to please somebody else or fit in? When there's stress of being part of the crowd, do we hold fast to our convictions or do we give in? And then fifth... The fifth type of stress that we face is challenges to our convictions. And that gives us insight into whether we're willing to stand firm for what we believe. When our beliefs are directly opposed, and believe me, you guys watch the news, that's happening more and more every day. And you know what? It's not going backwards. It's going to get worse. So now our convictions are being tested, and now we're being directly opposed, and now we're being mocked and shunned and told that we're weird because we hold on to something archaic like the Bible, and how could we be that intolerant to believe what the Bible says? Listen, are we going to just melt to that, or are we going to continue to strongly defend our biblical convictions? And when somebody challenges us, are we ready to defend our faith? Are we ready verbally? Do we have scripture? Not harshly, not critically, not judgmentally, not crassly, but are we ready to speak the truth in love, as Ephesians 4.15 says, to speak the truth in love and to say, listen, I believe in the word of God. I believe in Jesus Christ. My life's been changed. And let me tell you why I hold this conviction. And let me challenge you. How are you living? See, all the stresses that we face give us insight into what's going on in our heart. Just like I was able to lay on that table a week ago and look deep inside my heart and get a sense of whether anything was wrong. But here's what struck me as I'm doing that. I don't know how to evaluate that ultrasound. I could look inside my heart, and I could see what was there, and I could see the little the little flaps. What are they called? Valves? I don't know what they're called. I'm no medical person. Scott, help me. Are they called valves? Thank you, brother. All right. So they're flapping up and down. I'm like, look, they're clapping for me. Everything's great. I'm like, I'm so. I'm like, it looks wonderful. Look at my heart. It's fantastic. But it hit me. I don't know how to read that. I have no idea if that's showing wonderful things or if that's showing something that I need to be very scared about. You know why? Because I'm untrained in reading an ultrasound. Not to mention that I had a very vested interest in thinking that that heart looked fantastic. So what did I need? Even though I didn't want it to truly know how healthy and strong and pure my physical heart was. I needed a doctor. I needed a cardiologist to scan it and evaluate it and to give me an expert, unbiased analysis of what's going on. And as I thought that, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need that spiritually too. Because we know what we want our heart to be like, but that may not be what it is. To really know how healthy and strong and pure our spiritual heart is, we need the Lord to examine us because he is the only one who can scan it, evaluate it, and give us a holy, perfect analysis of what's going on. And if you look back at the verses, that's what David's doing here. David is intentionally asking the Lord to search him. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Now there are five specific requests here. We're going to go through them very quickly. Five verbs here that tell us what's required. There are five necessary spiritual tests And I want you to write them down. Even if you're not taking notes, I want you to write them down anyway. There are five necessary spiritual tests that we need to intentionally ask the Lord to do every single day. And I would suggest every single hour. Because if we don't do these, we will not know what's going on in our heart. I am not skilled at evaluating ultrasounds, and while my heart looked happy and good and wonderful, and I was very excited, I had to sit there and wait for the cardiologist to say, that looks good. And if we look at ourselves spiritually and say, I'm fine, yeah, I've got a little bit of sin, and it's okay, I'm managing it pretty well, and, and you know, sometimes I'm a little out of control, but but it's good. But if if we tell ourselves that delusion and we don't ask the Lord to say, search me and know me and, and, and try me and see if there's anything that's hurtful here. You've got to test me. If we don't do that, we're going to be clueless. And sin is so crafty and the devil's so crafty that it will start to control our heart because we haven't taken the steps we need to take. So here's what every one of us needs to do. If you've been, saved 40 years like me, you need to do this. If you're, if you're growing in your faith, you're kind of new to the faith, you need to do this. If you're here this morning and you don't know God at all, you've never trusted in Christ, I'm telling you, you need to do this because this will change your life. Why? Because this is vital to prevent heart disease. This is vital to prevent heart disease. And there are so many people this morning, please listen carefully, there are so many people this morning living with spiritual heart disease. Their heart and their mind are in arrhythmia, they're out of sync with what is right and what is holy, They're living in distress because they're aligned with the wrong people and living in the wrong situations. And here's what that makes you do. It makes you feel lousy and sick and out of control because your heart is not surrendered to the Lord. And instead of dealing with it, instead of doing what we're going to study in a moment, they either ignore it, which I wanted to do last Friday night as I'm standing in the kitchen talking to Adam and Danny and my son, and I'm quietly holding my finger to my wrist, going one, two, three, four, five, six. That's a little quick seven, eight, nine, 10. And I counted to 120, and I'm like, that's not right. But every fiber in me wanted to ignore that. So we can ignore it, or we can self-diagnose, well, I'm just stressed, or I had too much iced tea, or or I'm just, I don't know, I'm excited, or it's just Friday night, or whatever. A- and we and we start to push it off and blame something insignificant rather than being thorough. Now, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're an adult that's, that's out of control, or a teenager that's living the wrong way, or, or you're or you're unsaved and you know your life is a mess. But, but you just don't kind of want the place of, of dealing with it. Or maybe you're a believer, and you've walked with the Lord before, but you've really fallen away. In any case, whatever it is, you know something doesn't feel right. And you want to dismiss it, and you want to ignore it, and you want to say, well, it's because of this person or this group or or, or that one time situation or whatever the case may be. You, you can you can do all of that like I wanted to do. But the bottom line is there may be spiritual heart disease. And you need to deal with it. You need to get it fixed. What hit me as I was finishing up my study is that I don't really believe the Lord's interested in just removing the problem and removing the consequences from our lives because he knows that we'll just run back to the sin. Instead, he wants us to change. He wants us to change, not for the moment, because we're in crisis. I went into, I've been saved 40 years. I went into bargaining mode with the Lord. You ever done that, right? You're in crisis, you're like, oh Lord, if you just get me out of this. Oh, it's going to be so different. I, I went into bargaining mode. I know better. I've been a Christian a long time. But, but that's what we do. And the Lord said, this is not about the moment. There needs to be a permanent change in lifestyle. I need to change who you are spiritually now. I need to change who you are in your spirit, and only he can do that. And then he wants to change how we think and how we live, and that starts with our heart and our mind. But to do that, here's where we get to these five principles. He requires that we change what we take in. What we feed our soul with. So, so where does it begin? Let's do this quickly. What's required of us every day? Well, look back at verses 23 and 24 because it's right here in the text. We're just going to take the five verbs, okay? Number one, search me. Search me. Everybody say it together. Search me. We need to ask the Lord to broadly access our heart and to do a thorough examination. Search me. Examine me. I want you to see if there's any problems. In other words, if there's any sin, if there's any rebellion against you, I want you to find that. And I have to tell you, I wasn't real excited about laying down on that table and having them hook me up to the monitors. Because I was fearful of what they might find. And at that moment, as I'm laying on my side and he's got that up to my chest, I I wasn't in control. And I knew the only reason that they were doing that is they were looking for a problem. They weren't doing that to humor me or to say, wow, it looks really great. And we just wanted to check you out and make sure. They were looking for a problem. Now, we know that sin is destructive. I don't think there's a person in this room that doesn't know that sin is destructive and that we need to reject it and that we need to resist its influence on our lives and resist the people that are pushing that. So why don't we? Well, the main reason is pride. We don't want to admit that sin might have some control over us. So we're proud. We don't we don't want to. And then another reason is fear. Well, we're 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 scared of 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 facing what might be there and, and we're scared of surrendering our lives to the Lord and then we're in denial. We don't want the, to think that sin's going to be discovered and, and we just kind of hide it and even if it is, it doesn't really harm us and, and, and we're really okay. But you and I know that sin affects us. I'm not giving you any new truth this morning. Sin affects us. Doesn't matter if you say 50 years or five minutes. Sin affects us. So he says, search me, examine me. Second thing he says is, know me. Know me. Now that goes beyond just asking the Lord to search and examine. This is asking him to carefully expose any problem. Not just examine me, Lord, but now expose the problem. And I want you to expose the problem for the purpose of removing the problem. I was nervous. This would be the last... Thing I talk about with this, I was nervous as the cardiologist and the technician both looked at the ultrasound because I knew that that wasn't going to hide anything, that that was going to reveal any problem, so I prayed a lot, oh, I prayed a lot. In those moments as they're holding it up to me, and I'm waiting, and I don't know how long it took, less than a minute easily, but, but as the silence is in the room, and they're kind of studying it, and mmm, 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 <laughs> not sounds you want to hear, right? And I'm praying, Lord, Lord, just, just let there not be a problem. Let there not be a problem. Let there not be a problem. And the next word I heard was normal. Normal's good. I like normal. I like the word normal now. It's one of my favorite words now. See, consistency is terribly underrated. Especially when it comes to our heart. And that's true spiritually. For us to be cleansed and then to walk in holiness. Listen now. We need to all the time ask the Lord, examine me. And when something is detected, Lord, here's where it gets tough. Lord, expose it because it's got to change. Bring it out in the open, expose it. Sometimes our sin and our failure gets exposed and we're embarrassed and, and ashamed and all that. But you know what? Sometimes when that sin is exposed, it's the best thing that can happen to us because it's finally that wake up call, like, uh oh. That really exists in there, and I've got to get rid of it. We try to ignore this one step, that this important step of know me. But here's the thing. God's not blind to what's going on. He knows everything about us. He knows what's in our heart and mind this morning, and he knows what needs to be removed. That's where it would look back just real quick at the context. Let's just race through it. In verses 1 to 4, David says, the Lord already knows every inch of our lives. He knows everything. Verse 1, you know me. Verse 2, you know all the events of my day. You know all my thoughts. Verse 3, you know my path. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, you know my words before I even say them. You know everything about me. Then he says in verses 7 and 8, I can't hide from you. There's nowhere I can get away from you, because verse 7, your presence is always there. That's both sobering and joyful. God never abandons you. God's eyes are never off of you. And he says in verse 8, there's nowhere I can hide. I can run to heaven, I can run to hell, I can be anywhere. You never take your eyes off me. So you know me, you know everything about me, you know my thoughts, you know my words before I even speak them out of my mouth. I can't hide from you. Then he says in verses 13 to 16, you formed me and you own my life. Verse 13, I was woven in the womb. I'm not a blob of tissue. I'm a child that's being formed with a heartbeat and a brain and limbs that work. Verse 14, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and my days were already written and ordained in your book before I was born. Listen, no Christian can read verse 16 and be pro choice. No way. You knew my substance. You formed it. You knit my bones together. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in your image. You wove me together in the womb. I'm not just a blob of flesh because you already had my days ordained in your book before I was ever out of the womb. So you, you, you know everything about me. I can't hide from you. You formed me. And then he says in verse 17, I love this, your thoughts are precious to me. When you think of me, those thoughts are precious, and they're vast, they're like the sand of the seashore. I can't even count them, but every one of them is precious. If there's nothing else, verse 17 proves that God is not punitive by default, He's loving by default. The fact that God already knows us and is still willing to love us and is still willing to offer us His grace is beyond our comprehension. So we better not respond to that by rejecting His grace or by abusing it and taking it for granted. Lord, search me, examine me, know me, expose what's there. Third, try me. Try me. It means to test or evaluate in order to prove strength or weakness. When I was on the treadmill, they said, you know, some people... Can't get to the target heart rate because they're too weak. And when they're tested, they fail. No wonder David says, Look back at it, I have anxious thoughts. Because the Lord's examination and exposure will reveal any problem. So are we so fervent about holiness in our lives? that we want that evaluation of what's going on. Are you getting by? Are you, are you doing okay? Are you kind of living for the Lord, but it's kind of touch and go, hit or miss, situational, how I feel, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. Or every day, oh Lord, I need to do this. Every day you say, God, examine, expose, and evaluate. Find what's there and get rid of it. Because I want to be holy like you. Purity does not happen by proxy. Purity does not happen by good intention. Purity is an intentional choice of asking God, cleanse me. Cleanse me, fill me, empower me to walk like Jesus. Search me, know me. Try me. Fourth, inspect me. Inspect me. After David said the first three things, now he says, see if there's any hurtful way in me. The word there means what causes sorrow to the Lord. So, Lord, as you're searching, knowing, and trying me, now I want you to inspect me. Now that you've cleaned me out, inspect me again. Now see if there's any, that word is important, if there's any hurtful way in me, any sin that would cause you sorrow, any attitude that would be dishonoring, any words that are coming out of my mouth... That would offend you. Lord look for anything. And here's why I want to do that. Because I don't want any allowance of sin. Because you call me to obey. And I want to honor that. And because I love you. And I'm so indebted for your mercy. Search me Lord. Inspect me. Expose it. Evaluate it. Now I want you to inspect me. I want you to find anything that's there. Because it has to be eradicated. It has to be gotten rid of. Now we can continue to believe the lie of the enemy who says this doesn't need to happen and those couple cells of disease, just, just ignore them. They're not going to affect your spiritual health. You're fine. 99.9% of your body is perfectly great. But, but there's these little cells. No, I want to tell you this morning that you and I, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, there should be an absolute, complete intolerance of sin intolerance. You want to call me intolerant? Great. Call me intolerant because I'm intolerant of sin in my life. I'll, I'll accept that. And God help us to do that because we're not intolerant of sin. We, are, we, we allow too much and we think we can get by and that we don't need to change but, but you can't just believe in God and play the part and then still continue to live for yourself. That's a lie of the enemy and it'll take you down the wrong path every time. If you're caught this morning or you know, wow, sin's about to be exposed, good. I'm glad. That's probably a great thing for you. You're already living with some of the painful implications of your sin. And your heart this morning is full of regret that you chose to live that way. As I laid on that table, I I regretted every single cheeseburger, every single french fry, every single piece of pizza I ever ate. I'm being very serious, because if they said at that point, your arteries are clogged, oh, man, why did I do that? Why didn't I eat more broccoli? I know, it's not a sentence you say often. Why didn't I eat more broccoli? Why did I eat that double cheeseburger with bacon on it and french fries? Why did I do that? Because I knew at that moment that the collective accumulation of that sin could clog my arteries and give me heart disease. And I'm praying, Lord, give me some time now. i got to change my behavior. I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And the Lord said, there's your spiritual principle. And I'm being very serious when I say this. That illustration that I just described about food may describe your heart and your life this morning. And maybe you're sitting there going, Well, the damage has already been done, Paul. I don't I don't know how to scale back. Let me tell you this morning, with all that I have, that it is not too late to surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and He will cleanse you. He will clean out your spiritual arteries, and He will make your heart beat perfectly. And he will change you and give you a new heart and a new mind. And a new spirit and a new life that is secured for eternity. But let me tell you, there's a theme here. In every word we've used, search, know, try, inspect. In every word, there is a fervent, volitional request. The Lord will not force you and me. To yield to him. That would not be salvation. That would not be grace. That would be autocracy. God will not force you to yield to him. We have to admit our sin. And we have to turn from it forever. That's what repentance means. 33 times in the Bible. The Bible calls us to repent. It was John the Baptist's only message. Repent. It was the first thing Jesus said publicly in his ministry, repent. It was the reason Jesus went to the cross so we could repent. What does repent mean? It means to confess your sin, and then it means to turn away from your sin. It means to go in the opposite direction, the correct direction, and to never look back at your old life like Lot's wife. Remember the Bible says in the New Testament, remember Lot's wife. Why? Because she looked back with regret. And so many times we look back with regret. Oh, I wish I had my old life. I wish I had my old friends. I was. Uh, I, I, it was fun to do that. And yet we don't realize the damage it's been doing. I ate a lot of great cheeseburgers in my life. I ate a lot of great french fries in my life. But you know what? All they've done is damage me. And so many people just keep going, you turn, you turn, you turn, you turn, you turn. And they just go in a circle and they wonder why there's no victory, why there's no joy, why there's no progression, why there's no maturity. Well, it's because you're in an endless cycle of turning back and then going forward and turning back and going forward. And God says, you want to repent? That means you turn away and you go in the right direction and you never look back. you know what? Some of us need to do that this morning. You can identify the problem all day long, but until the problem is solved, nothing changes. I have no ability, if there's damage to my heart, to fix that problem. Just as you and I have no ability to fix our spiritual heart, but God can. And when we fully give ourselves to Him and we say, God, search me, know me, try me, inspect me, and eradicate whatever you find, get it out of me once and for all, that God is so willing to do that. And He's so able to do that. But we have to reject it. We have to renounce it. We have to walk away from it and keep resisting it. If you know that you need to change what you're doing, God's ready. But he's waiting for you to ask. He's already given you all the opportunity of his grace. He's already shown you all the truth you need. Now it's time to yield. And once that happens, we get to the last word. And that's where he says, lead me. What a wonderful word that is. I want you to notice the order Search, know, try, inspect. After those four are done, and only when those four are done, he says, lead me. Lead me in the way that is everlasting. There's no everlasting life without the Lord. We cannot expect to be joyful. We cannot expect to be contented. We cannot expect to have our lives in balance. We cannot expect anything to make sense without confession and examination that we described here in verses 23 to 24. And when that happens, the next step is, God, now lead me in the way that's everlasting. You know what? God will do that. There's a calling that comes out of that. And this hit me this week, and I'm done with this. There's a calling that comes out of God's leading. And the calling is to be faithful to the Lord. Remember how I said earlier that consistency is underrated? Being steady and being consistent in what you do, knowing that one day to the next somebody can rely on you? Well, that's true of our daily life with the Lord. Everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we're promised is because of God's grace. But here's what hit me this week. There's one thing in Scripture that God promises to commend us for. It's all because of God. Everything's because of Jesus. We'd be nothing without Christ. We we say joyfully this morning, all because of Christ. But there's one thing that God says, I'll commend you for that. He says, I will commend you for being faithful in being holy. Remember the words? We all want to hear them when we get to heaven, right? Well done. Tell me the phrase, good and faithful servant. It's the only time in scripture where it says, I'll commend you. But here's what hit me. God wants to bless us with that now. He doesn't want to just wait till we get to heaven and He can say, oh, you got through. He wants to see that consistency and faithfulness now. He wants to see us faithfully trusting Him every day, no matter what the situation. Now, He wants to see us faithfully obeying Him and standing for Him by our convictions and defending Him and talking about Him. Now, while we're here, and He says, when you do that, I will richly reward you. Not with cars and houses and vacation. He says, I I will bless you, and I will lead you in the everlasting way. And when you're in crisis, I'm there. When you call on me, I'll answer. When you need my help, my Holy Spirit's right there. Oh, that's good. That's that's a good word this morning. We need to want that in our lives instead of this mess that we're in. Oh, Oh, come on. We know that sin just creates a mess. But with the Lord... Everything is pure. So when you look inside your heart this morning, what do you see? And when you open up and say, search me and know me and try me and inspect me, what's God going to find? And what are you asking him to do? Let's close our eyes. I want to take just a minute I know I've talked a long time. Forgive me for that. Just so let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now. Don't get ready to go. We're not going yet. The devil wants to distract right now, and he wants to put our minds on other things and lie to us that this is not truth. But I'm telling you, it's truth. What needs to be rooted out this morning? What needs to be examined? What's the, what's the ultrasound of our heart spiritually going to show? Maybe your life this morning is in a mess. Maybe you don't know what to do. You're, you're in crisis. Maybe it's been going on a long time and you've just kind of ignored it. You kind of ignored the warning signs. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to hear the word and then just leave and... Oh, well, I'll do my best. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There needs to be confession. There needs to be repentance. And this morning, I would encourage you. I, I want to I exhort you. Don't leave today without doing that. I don't know some of you. I don't know what's going on in your lives. Maybe I know you really well and I don't know what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what I know, it matters what the Lord knows. So, between you and Him this morning, He already knows, remember? He knows every thought, every word, every inch. What do you need to bring to Him? I want to do something I don't do very often. I want to encourage you. If you need to bring something to the Lord this morning, you need to confess and repent to him. I want you to get up out of your seat, and I want you to come up and stand right here at the front. You're not going to want to do that. You're going to say, well, if I do that, everybody will know what's going on in my lives. doesn't matter. We've all got stuff. This is not a moment to be nervous about what everybody else thinks. I had no dignity laying there when they were doing the ultrasound on my heart, but I needed to know. So if you need to really get serious with the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I've been living the wrong way, and I need to confess to you, I need to repent, I need to go in the other direction, a holy direction, I need to never turn back, I need your help. I want to encourage you, right now, don't wait any longer, it's not prolongless. this. Just come up and stand up here. Leaders, prayer band members, go ahead and come up. Stand up here. This is serious. I mean, this is, this is as serious as me laying on a table, having them evaluate my heart. I had to know. You've got to know. It's not going to get better on its own. You've got to know. And I want to tell you again, and I'm done. We're going to pray. God is gracious. And God will cleanse you, and he will help you, and you can grow in your faith. So, last chance. Just get up right now, come up and stand, and just confess to the Lord. This is the time where you're being called out. God's speaking directly to you. There's no more time to wait.